hardly seems like news now, but there was a time where open source software was the most radical and interesting new concept in software and the computer world itself. And one of the companies that emerged from this era where software was free was a very interesting one called Red Hat. And what Red Hat identified was that the software would be free, but you need to maintain it and you need to look after it. And built an extraordinarily good business model around supporting this free open source software to the point where last year they were bought by IBM. I'm speaking to uh, a man who's very interesting because he works at such an interesting company. Uh, Lee Miles is the vice president for Samir, which is the Central Eastern Europe, Middle East and Africa and Turkey region. And uh, he's in Johannesburg to talk about how, amongst other things, Red Hat and and what your company does uh, with open source software, how open source software can help with the digital transformation that we're seeing the world undergoing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, thanks Toby. The, the key thing for us is, you know, as you said, open source software has now become mainstream and you see every enterprise is, if not already utilizing open source is, you know, certainly the community version, they're, they're now starting to um, look at the enterprise versions of that for security and, and other reasons. But the real reason behind that is, of course, because a lot of the innovations in the technology world are now coming from open source. So whereas before it was, as you said, a radical idea and you know a little bit um, of the, the techie community was taking advantage of it, now it's become mainstream within our organization. So again, if you think about you know how to develop software how to develop software at the pace it needs to be done you can't anymore be restricted by the four walls of a proprietary you know vendor organization it has to be out there it has to be you know developed from many different sources and across you know many different continents well, well i mean i agree with you but let's just take a look back quickly and show how many great examples of software have come out of that free open source paradigm android is one of them Correct. Uh, ubuntu that mark shuttleworth you know, has has created and spread around uh, software like um, well, you got things like Kubernetes, which Google first pioneered as exactly. a, a real container platform, which has now become you know kind of the mainstream for um, you know for the cloud technology that's being deployed both in the public and private clouds. And I think you know one of the biggest um, companies that were against uh, uh, open source overall was a company called Microsoft, and of no. course. You know, they are now open sourcing their own solutions. They've recently acquired GitHub, um, you know, and, you know, quite frankly, are probably one of the largest, if not the largest, contributors to open source globally now. I know. I mean, who would have thought that? That is a profound turnaround. That's beyond geeky interest. That is the largest software maker in the world is, is actively helping to pursue this, 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 uh, this form of software that at one time was its sworn enemy. Uh, fascinating, and uh, also the, the acquisition of GitHub, which is the, the, the repository for so much open source software. Um, it, it just shows how it's become such a part of the world, hasn't it? Oh, uh, in everything we do, you look at all of the, you know, you spoke about the transformation, digital transformation earlier. You know, that all that really is, is it's moving, you know, what we traditionally did in a back office to the edge of our, you know, networking now. And all of the innovations that are coming for our edge technology are from open source. Um, you know, the community versions of those are extremely strong. You know, you just take Android as the example. Um, it's in most of the devices that, you know, we can possibly conceive 
as part of the Internet of Things. So, um, you know, that whole revolution has really now, you know, actually not been a revolution anymore. It's now a mainstream, and it's just about how you can utilize it and make it safe and secure for an enterprise organization. I mean, I just, uh, as we're talking, it just really, it's a quite an extraordinary sea change literally in the in the software world that has been tremendously underreported and, and unaware. I mean, I, I, I always say peop no one cares how their car starts. They just get in and turn the key and off they go. So the average user is just unaware of how uh, much of a change has happened in the way software is built from being so proprietary to so open source, especially, you know, the champion of proprietary software itself. Microsoft is such a huge contributor, the largest contributor. I think some of the driver of that also is the culture. So if you think about the whole open collaboration and of how it's open source true. comes together, um, we're developing in that way. Companies need to, you know, if you, if you think about any industry, so you think about banking industry or the telco industry, the secret source to a company is in the 5% differentiator. The rest of it is the same. So true. actually when you, when you think about, you know, the innovations, the the mainstream part of the business can be identical to every competitor that they have. It's that secret piece th of innovation that they need at the, at the top end. So that um, open and collaborative way of working is is now driven more and more of the the consumption of open source technologies. True. I mean, I'm that open source culture is is or the collaborative, transparent way of doing business is is the culture that drives technology startups. It's it's become one of the dominant ways of people doing things in the world if you tell people what you're up to maybe they're doing something similar themselves and they'll they'll help out um i mean we see that in the in in the more established environments in in europe what do you th what do you see happening in africa and south africa in particular i mean it's it's yeah i mean it, it no different actually i mean i think you know we talk we talk here about the ability to be able to have skipped generations of technology you know you you go from you know, a non-mobile platform to a very mobile platform yeah, in almost no much. time at all. Um, and I think the same thing is, is said of that here. The same demands as a consumer we have in many parts of the world. Um, you know, here in South Africa, you know, the banks have got to respond to um, challenges that are coming from outside of their organization. You know, you get retail organizations now able to provide financial products. Yes. Um, this wasn't the case five, ten years ago, whereas now the banks have to be agile enough to respond to those types of things. So, you know, we see those same challenges and we see actually some extremely good, um, you know, developments in that in, in some of the mainstream companies here in South Africa. I, I mean, I suppose that by necessity, you have to change your culture to work with that and any open, you know, more transparent, more inclusive, more collaborative culture as we've seen the world over is good for business. Absolutely. And I think, you know, some of those you know, those biggest challenges reside here in, in Africa with lack of communications and um, and some of the challenges logistically that you have. So, you know, as you said, out of necessity as opposed to out of, out of will um, yeah. is, is important. Well, what are some of the other big trends that you see happening in 2020? I mean, the obvious things of, you know, expansions of the current ones, artificial intelligence, the rollout of 5G networks and devices, uh, the growth of AR and VR, but more specifically in the in the software business, or you know, what do, what do you see as the big trends? I think the big thing from a software perspective is certainly um, the ability to be able to access anywhere. 
and I think that's driving some of the cloud movement. And you know, again, if we come back to Africa, you know, some of the delays in in cloud here are not driven from the from the ideal that it's not a good idea. It's just the sovereignty. It's the data has to reside in country, and you know, you need the means and the facilities to be able to do it here. So, you know, having that flexibility of being able to take advantage know of a flexible environment where you can you know span into it and span back out of it and that's driven really from the types of things like 5g you know 5g will be as fundamental as you know a landline to a mobile as yeah as going from you know, being able to you know download something or use a technology within half a second as opposed to you know half a minute so that's driving some of that um you know some of that trend for us in i, sp in I suppose cloud is of course becoming infinitely more and s important and central because you know the faster your connection to the cloud the, you know all the big big data crunching and work can be done in the cloud and you can just access it much quicker yeah and that, that's the catalyst for all of the topics you talked about earlier you know the ai you know ai is fundamentally fundamentally not going to work if the the in the answers are not instantaneous um same thing that the access to the cloud that that function doesn't work unless you can do it you know instantly so that flexibility of being able to um, develop build applications fast build services to consumers fast but be able to do it in an environment that allows you to be able to play you know for size be able to play for small be able to play for location um, all of those things become really important and are only enabled by the speed of the connections true i mean the you know the current 4g speeds are light years from those very early days and it does seem analogous to a shift from uh, dial-up speeds to fiber speeds and, and that's what 5G offers. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure AI is going to play a big role in, in what Red Hat's up to. Y yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, part of the part of the interesting part of the collaboration with IBM is, um, you know, their AI technology in, in Watson. You know, I think it's now rather I mean than I mean, arguably one of the best. Yeah, for sure, I think so, and I think one of the most utilized. So, um, if you look at how you know AI is developing or or the use cases for AI, it'll just become built into applications to services to you know how we interact with companies. So it won't stand in isolation; it will just be built into everything we do. Um, and for Red Hat, that's a fantastic advantage because of what we do. Um, by providing the connectivity and the infrastructure for companies, you build AI into that capability and that becomes a very compelling story. Indeed. I mean, I, I, I've heard AI described as, well, uh, you know, the, the, the next big thing, but it's, it's really the application of it uh, and the appropriate application of it that really matters, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, an analogy you think about is when they invented the laser. I mean, you invent a laser and you say, okay, what can I do with it, right? Does it, it cuts through metal? Oh, it yes. cuts through, <laughs> it cuts through skin. <laughs> I can use it for lots of different functions. The same thing with AI. It's incredibly powerful as a tool. Yeah. What application do I want to use it for? Yeah, I, I, it exactly. I mean, it's, 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 it has its great potential. Um, I suppose with the, f the speed of the connection and the maturation of AR technologies, it'll be kind of like, Using any other cloud-based service, you'll you'll tap AI on demand when you need it. And, yeah, and I think you know if you look at the medical industry as an example, you know in, in diagnosis of prop diagnosis of problems, you've got now access to a huge catalogue of or of data globally, um, all the types of scenarios that you could possibly want to understand. In which case, you know AI can just 
you know, automate that process much faster than we could ever do as humans. And you know, that speed of diagnosis is the difference between you know saving a life and losing a life. Yes, and that's a you know fantastic use case for it. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but there've been some very interesting things with with IBM's Watson and medical diagnosis in the news recently. And I, and I remember thinking, and I, I'll dig those out. But I remember thinking that's quite profound. You know, but picking up very hard to uh, pick up symptoms or very slight symptoms. You know, the the, the artificial intelligence is showing uh, a greater and greater ability to do specific things very well. And in this case life-saving things and I think you know coming back to your first question about um, open source itself I think you know the main difference between open source now and open source 20 years ago is you know open source was used to solve some some problems back you know 20 years ago where actually the effect that it's having now is it's it's solving some of the world's biggest problems and some of the world's biggest health problems and some of the world's biggest you know blockchain and financial problems yeah. and and so on. So it's really tackling, you know, pretty major topics as opposed to just being a, you know, a technic a techie person's um, interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blockchain needs all the help it can get right now. Um, well, no, actually, Bitcoin needs all the help it can get. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so the I mean, this is a it's it's a it's a brave new world to anyone who's never heard of it before. But I mean, it is becoming quite mature. I mean, we're using phrases like core and edge. The average person doesn't know their cell phone is considered the edge of the of the cloud because that's the interface with the customer. I mean, I I think that's just going to become more commonplace, isn't it? Yeah, and I think if you if you look at the different generations, you know, my children have you know no concept of the world before the internet. They have no concept of the world before mobile phones. This just becomes mainstream and standard. Yeah, I mean, my my son's two and a half. I mean, you know. <laughs> he knows how to hold a phone without touching the touchscreen so he can keep watching Digger videos on <laughs> YouTube, right? Like, he has the skill set consummate with his requirements. But he will have no concept of a telephone ever being plugged to the wall with a cable. He'll, you know, I, I mean, I think of the skill set he'll need in life. I, I'm certain he'll never learn to drive, and I'm quite certain he'll never learn to touch type. The interfaces will have expanded to a point where the natural interface we as humans use which is talking to each other will be what we do to computers. And, and that's a function of the power of cloud computing. It's a function of AI. And it's a function of very fast connections back to those servers. Yeah, and that's, you know, people are, you know, have that fear of automation and, you know, AI replacing what we do as humans. It's not. It's just going to change the way in which we do it. So very clearly, I think, how we interact with each other will, will be the next interesting chapter of you know utilizing the technology one of the things we talk about in red hat is the culture and you know using the open decision framework as a way of being able to operate our company and i think that type of scenario and the, you know we talk about devops and those types of things will become you know will become the next interesting chapter of how you can get the best use of technology going forward yeah i, I mean it's a real hot topic isn't it automation how many jobs are going to be destroyed but the, the corollary statistics is that technology and as as a, as a whole through history has been a net increaser of jobs, just different jobs. Um, and, and I suppose we don't know what those look like yet because, you know, we're, we just don't know what that's going to be, what's going to be possible and, and whether all of those, you know, Star Trek 
predictions are going to be true. Will you know? Will we have a replicator that makes food? Will we have, you know, a computer to talk to? But no, I hope so. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm dying for one of those replicators. Um, the first thing I'll do is, you know, print something from Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> for the irony of it. Um, but I suppose we have to trust that the technology will evolve, or at the very least, we will evolve to teach ourselves what to do with the technology. Well, and, you know, and you haven't come to this yet with your your child only t only being two and a half. But you know, one of the things that I can remember very clearly about three or four years ago, one of the schools was telling me about my children was they're develop they're trying to develop skills now for jobs that don't exist yet. Yeah. So, you know, what what do you teach your children to be able to you know manage an environment or manage their life you know in twenty thirty years time when the jobs that they they will do know aren't even aren't even thought about today so and that's a lot of what technology is bringing is taking away a lot of the the mundane work but actually giving us an opportunity to do the interesting stuff over the top and you work for a technology company so it's a it's a there's a question i think that may or may not be well let's see everyone's saying coding is the thing everybody needs to learn and i, and I agree I'm, i don't speak maths as a first language i was never particularly good at it but i understand the concepts i i I get how that works, and I know how to use a, sp a spreadsheet and a calculator. Um, in many ways, I think I think it'll be the more creative side that machines won't be able to replicate, or artificial won't be able. So, I mean, a, a computer can probably write its own code better than we could, and won't make a typo or a spelling mistake, or you know, something that'll you know break the code. What are the creative things that you think are, are the kinds of jobs that people are going to have? I don't know specifically, but I think you're right in terms of, you know, we're getting away from the the monotony of of being able to create that initial code to do the basic functions. That's, uh, you know, we're all we're almost at the end of that chapter, and it's then you go to GitHub and you look for, you know, foundation or you know parts of a platform you need, and off you go. Yeah, that's right. You can download any type and flavor of programming language based on any type of. Um, you know, platform that you want to put it on in any country that you want to put it in. Um, those things are just, you know, at a click of a button. So, and then actually it's just down to our own imagination. I mean, again, you know, coming back to some of the things that we find um, are needed in the world because we now have the technology. You know, if you were to say, you know, you could watch your TV on your phone, you can watch any program you wanted to from a selection of 50,000, you wouldn't have believed that. Ten years ago, whereas now it's just no, you know, I know it's great. We don't believe we couldn't believe we lived without it. I know I can watch a rugby game on my phone. I have many times. Um, only the tests are not that bad. Um, it re yeah, I suppose it is. It is hard to predict where we will get to or how we'll do. We'll, but we definitely know the things we won't need. Um, and who would have thought proprietary software was one of those things that would fall by the wayside? It, it seems improbable. We won't need it. I mean, th they'll, it'll be, so I think, you know, within the next five years, I think proprietary software companies will be open sourcing their software. They'll have to, because they'll need, they'll need the extra impetus for the uh, innovations. They just won't be able to keep up with the pace of technology. I mean, that's a remarkable uh, proposition. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, what would uh, Adobe have to do? I mean, my business publishing magazine requires lots of use of, of very specific software that you can only get from one company. I, you know, how would they respond? What would be a threat to them, if you could talk about it? Well, I mean, you, you look at the business models. I mean, even in our consumer lives, you know, we've gone to on-demand. 
you know why am i paying for something up front that i'm not going to i may or may not use you know into the future um we consume on demand the enterprise world will go the same way um, true so you know when you when you think about all those proprietary software companies the business model itself will fundamentally have to change because the access to the technology will be will be open Indeed, I mean, I, I, let's let's if you, if you don't mind, I specifically want to ask. I mean, Red Hat found a very clever gap in providing support and essential services for open source software. Do you think there's going to be more companies like Red Hat trying to do that? Um, maybe in video editing software, you want? Yeah, I you think know, so. I mean, there are plugins available. There is a there's a kind of garage culture in a lot of them. Do you think it's going to be a bigger thing? I think so. I think people are looking for you know, an element of safety and security around, you know, what they know is a good piece of software. Um, and we're providing a service. So that service is based on, you know, you consume uh, on demand and we provide the service that you need. And I think so. I think that's going to more and more of the companies will have to go the same way for that business model. True. Well, who would have thank it? Uh, Lee Miles from Red Hat. Thank you very much. This has been a very interesting conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Good to meet you.